This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday, and it's even happier for us because we just released our latest piece on the original channel, M2 Comparison, we shot a while ago that we were very excited about, where we had that discovery moment, you remember, Paul, where we were looking up the stats, <laughs> and I went, this is like the Camaro. Well, that's what I did with the M4. I looked that up and then looked at the roof line and went, that's a Mustang. BMW built a Mustang. Yes, yes. We did that piece, and horses then, versus beaver. Yeah. Yes. And then the weight of the M2, we thought, that's the heaviest sports car we've heard of in a long time, short of a Nissan GTR. And then it was the same weight and essentially length and <laughs> power. As heavy as a Camaro? As the Camaro. What? So please watch that piece. It's on our original uh, Everyday Driver channel on YouTube. So that is the brand new M2 with questionable styling the latest and nice. greatest version of the Camaro which is about to end and of course the Toyota Super but that is because it has BMW jeans in it and also is now manual so we were excited to put those three together on some really cool Southern California roads so we were out for that we have more stuff coming in fact we have road trip stuff coming which I'm very excited about you may have noticed there's some shorts dropping that are reminding us of how much fun we had on our road trips because we're about to do another one with some really cool stuff coming for that I'm taking my Lotus during the hottest summer on record I'm taking the C8 Corvette with cooled seats. <laughs> cooled seats, we everyone. We switched roles on this trip. I have paid my dues yes, with you lack have. of air conditioning. Yes, you And have. I have cooled seats yes. this time around. I can't wait. <laughs> so we're gonna going to have some great, excellent. great stuff to share with you guys there. We've been looking up the roadside attractions of the stuff we're going to see. And it's one of the fun things about this trip is we wind up in some place we've never been. And we may never go again. And so we have this conversation about, well, that's just down this side road. Should we look at that while we're here? And the answer is Maybe generally so. yes. Maybe so. We're very excited. <laughs> On Blipshift, our friends there have made automotively irresponsible that shirt that is available again. So if you go to blipshift.com and you can find our partner stores there under shop and the Everyday Driver Partner Store has that available, there will be a lot more coming, mm -hmm. but uh, that is now back on sale. So I check really that like out that if, one. I have that If you one. missed the first time around, this looks uh, to be like a grayish. It's a slightly different color. Yeah. It's a greenish, yeah, yeah. bluish gray color mm -hmm. instead of straight up black. Might need a collection of those. Mm. That works in all situations. Yeah. 92% of my wardrobe is now blip shift shirts. I hear you. I hear you. But but here's the thing. If they made pants, 100%. <laughs> I don't think they make pants. Yeah. Blip shift pants. They just say blip shift on the cuff and they have some sort of like track on the, on the hip sure. or something. I don't know what I it don't is. I don't care. Yeah. Just bring the pants. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer as well. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches. These are the safest ways to wash your ride. 
If you need to get the bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. There's also tar and sap remover if you parked under a tree. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products all together. Whether you need a starter car care kit, or you're breaking out the foam cannon, or you're detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We've got a great couple of debates for you. First is Don Z asking if he should buy two more cylinders. <laughs> he wants two more cylinders than he has. He's got a V6 Mustang and he wonders about... What if I had two more cylinders? Wouldn't the V8 be better? Shouldn't I really have a GT? We are doing that. We also got another really cool one coming up later. That's actually Hunter writing in from our actual local Salt Lake City area. He's a dad needing a dad car. I mean, he's got a dad car, but he yeah. wants a different dad car yeah, because he, the dad car he's got is old. Is the E60 M5. Yes. That's the 8250 that RPM is, yes. redline crazy V10 that is, Formula One derived engine. The problem the Hunter's having is the fact that he's going, should I be responsible? I'm now a father. Should I be responsible? So we'll circle back to that. Jumping into Don's debate here, Don believes he is caught on the spectrum of sacrifice. Okay. He has a 2014 Mustang V6 Premium in what he considers the perfect spec for a V6. Manual transmission, performance pack, leather, nav, cool looks from the Mustang Club of America trim package. Okay. The V6 version of the California Special in a camouflage color. I like how you're justifying gray now. Yes. It's the camouflage yes. color because it gets zero attention from the local and state constabulatory. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the cops don't I, look at it. I do love the justification there because with the possible exception of straight up red, generally your car color actually doesn't, based on the stats, matter. But we do like being camouflaged, don't we? Don wants a Mustang GT, though. He enjoys the history of this car's nameplate. It's fun to drive. It's something he can share with his dad, who drives a 2018 Shelby GT350. Okay. And Don says his V6 is quick. 300 horsepower, 0 to 60 and 5.5. Reliable. Gets respectable miles per gallon. He's seen high as highs of 30 miles per gallon, mm. but it usually averages around 20. It's going to be less when you get two more cylinders, Don. Yes, that doesn't, that doesn't get better than this. Don also knows there's better handling cars. But for a first rear-wheel drive experience, he's loved relearning how to drive again. Love it. That's great. But he wants that V8 experience. So a Mustang GT seems like a reasonable next step. He can learn from it, love the styling, and he's got other considerations now that he's lived with his Mustang for the past three years. Because he says interior and trunk space is great for two people, but the back seat is useless. Mm -hmm. Don also now has a grandchild. So it's not looking like the car will ever be an option since he can't disable the passenger airbag for child in the car seat or booster. Mm. He transports friends and family, and he says his wife, Kelly, doesn't like driving it because the clutch is, and shifting is heavy. Okay, all right. And he says his, his daughter is not able to drive the car either because she can't drive stick. So pretty much he is the only one that can drive this car, mm -hmm. and it doesn't work for the grandkid. This is the standard thing. We've got Hunter later talking about, I'm a dad, I got to think things through differently. Now we have, I'm a grandfather, I got to think things through differently. It's like, wait a minute, I must transport the little one yeah. and the Mustang's not working. Plus, it is a real issue when no one else in the family can drive your car. That is a genuine issue. He loves, loves, loves his manual transmission, he writes, but an automatic and more interior space and ease of access would be welcome. Since he can't afford a three-car garage right now, that's until uh, you wrote to us, Don, but once I get done with you, you might. <laughs> <laughs> Brace yourself, yeah. He has started to quietly reconsider his transportation needs. He says he wants a GT, 
but he might be caving into something like a five passenger with a little bit easier access Mm -hmm. in and out. So he views this as maybe a four door, maybe a higher ride height. He writes to us with his car history, including an 85 Mazda RX-7. He had an 89 Nissan 240SX. I mean, Very just cool. think, Don, if you had kept that car, you would be a drift king. <laughs> That's really all it takes. You just own one of those, put some zip ties on it, you can win drift competitions. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Volkswagen GTIs, a manual transmission, 99 Passat, Volvo S40, S40 T5, an Acura ILX, a Civic Si, BMWs, Mini Coopers, couple of Mini Coopers. He loved his Minis. Wow. Now, Don's wife is a point A to point B kind of car person. In other words, not into cars. Yeah, and it's, yeah. She's not a fan of high-maintenance cars. It's she's, an appliance. It needs to just run and, and do the utility stuff, which his Mustang clearly has so not. Yeah. Totally fine. We, yep. we get that. Mm-hmm. And Don writes that maintenance for this new car is a consideration, but he's got a good independent mechanic, lots of good dealers nearby. He's located near Columbus, Ohio for these specific repairs. And so he went back through our catalog to look at usual suspects. And he says the list is kind of long. It is. You're right. Yes. We have recommended a lot of great cars over the years. And the reason he's looking is because his budget is $25,000. He's not averse to any specific brand of cars or CUVs or SUVs. So the top of his current sedan list includes a G70 Genesis, the Alfa Giulia, BMW 3 Series, maybe a Dodge Charger with a V8. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he looks into SUVs, Macan S's, Cayenne V6's, BMW X1's and X3's. Mm. He says he would love to drive a GLA 45, but he has not seen those in his budget yet. What about the GLA 35, maybe? Yeah, not terrible, yeah. He says he doesn't need a big SUV, but then we get to the key sentence of the entire email. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're at the very end. We're like three sentences from done. Like, we're almost to thanks. You waited all this time to mention that your wife... And you would like a small boat. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So now we have to talk. All of a sudden we have to tow a boat. We're talking about V8s and Mustang GTs and fun and manuals. Backseats for grandkids and Ford. people getting in and out. You want a boat? Mm-hmm. A small boat. Mm-hmm. And then Don mentions the Cayenne has great towing capabilities. Yes, it does. Yes. They love Hyundais. His wife has a 21 Tucson Limited and his daughter drives a 2019 Elantra. So the G70 would be as close as they'd get to adding another Hyundai if we could convince them. But Don wants a boat. (laughs) What are you talking about, Mustang GT? (laughs) I didn't understand why, with all of what Don was talking about, we were even like considering SUV CUVs until we get to, oh, may buy a boat. By the way... I think I want a boat. (laughs) And the fact that you write your wife wants a boat too, small, big, I don't care. Yeah. Boat is a boat. Mm -hmm. That means you're getting a boat, Don. Yeah. You're not in agreement on cars. Mm -mm. You don't agree what kind of car should be driven. She can't drive a manual transmission. There's a bunch of stuff in your transport life, the fun part of your life you don't agree on, but you both want a boat. That seems like that's happening. I think I've solved it for you because you oh, know good. you can get a ski boat with a V8. <laughs> <laughs> ski Very boats nicely done. have V8s yes. in them. Don, mm-hmm. you will have your V8 and you and your wife will have a boat. <laughs> the end. Okay. Solved, All right. right? Are you spending some of this budget, this $25,000 on the boat? No. Oh, okay. All right. The boat is extra. That is on you. And Don, you know this is a hole in the water here. Favorite day will be the day you sell the boat. We're leaving the boat budget aside and we're only focusing on the vehicle that will solve your needs, but we're still going to get you some fun. Okay. And I'm going to try to stay under $25,000. Boat, right. right. boat budget is way over there. Okay, yeah, I'm not, the, the, I don't care about the boat. This budget. is not a boating show. Yes. 
Let's go look at 2007 Lexus GX 470s. Mm. They are ten to fifteen thousand dollars. They've got higher mileage, but you said high mileage doesn't matter. It's also a Toyota, and it's got that ride height and friend carrying capacity that you're looking for. Mm. It's also it. a V8. Good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've spent maybe roughly half your budget on that Lexus because you'll be puttering around and you'll occasionally tow the boat, whatever you get. Any boat will snap in the breeze behind like the end of a whip <laughs> behind that thing. Let's go get you a BMW Z4 for ten to $15,000. Okay. Yeah. So then you've still got a fun car. I realize you said you're in Ohio, but there are some fun roads that we discovered in yeah, Ohio. Definitely. There's a lot we didn't do that they're still there. Yeah. Agreed. So let's get you something fun. It's manual. It's low. And it just carves that part of you off, the mm-hmm. manual transmission mm-hmm. I want. Mm-hmm. You could get a cheaper Mustang, but a cheaper Mustang than you have, yeah, you could go some older GT sure, for that sure, kind sure. of price. But dynamically speaking, I don't think it's going to be as fun as a mm. small sports car. Yeah. And as far as power, let's talk about modern powertrains. Everybody laments the fact that the Tundra and the Sequoia no longer have V8s. They make way more power and torque now True. than V8s yeah, you're right. ever did. You're right. That's very true. So yeah. it, it's actually the good direction to go. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love V8s, mm-hmm. but there's some engines and powertrains now that are are a replacement for V8, I, I hate to say. Certainly in power up, but there's no question. I mean, I mean you torque, look at, everything. Yeah, yeah. You look at what Toyota's doing with their, I mean, and, and people loved their V8 and their V6 because they were naturally aspirated and bulletproof. And now the replacement ones are, fewer cylinders and hybrid and a bunch of technology and turbo. And I get that that's complication, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the level of power is shocking. Yeah. That's what's so great about technology. I mean, you can extract so much more now. So that's my recommendation. I like the Lexus GX because it does have cargo carrying capacity and of any older SUV for that price range, I think the Toyota version of it, the, mm-hmm. you know, the Lexus or Toyota version, that's going to be the most comforting in terms of long, long-term mm-hmm. care and maintenance. Yeah. The ones I found on Auto Tempest were easily ten to fifteen thousand. Many of them looked really well, well cared for. Higher mileage, one hundred fifty thousand to two hundred thousand miles. Okay, who cares? Mm-hmm. Those things will just run, and it seems like occasional use for that because you still want to drive with your dad. Yeah, yeah. he's still got his Mustang, which. I think you can drive. He'll let you drive it, Probably, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. But a Z4 is so much fun on straight, flat roads. It's fun in corners. It's fun to go take road trips. Mm-hmm. That's why Todd and I seek out these road trips and do them because those roads that are out there, they're worth the drive. And then you bring the right car. That's the <laughs> whole point. <laughs> it's the I want something right, smaller yeah. and lighter for you because you even talked about the dynamics of the Mustang. You thought, well, I could go And yeah, what if he goes further like that. that direction? I love that. Ah, I, I want you a small, lightweight car. And how about a Z4? Just ten, twelve thousand $12,000. Just get a Z4 because that's also occasional. And mm-hmm. again, you said you thought you couldn't afford a three-car garage. You didn't say you didn't have the space for a three-car garage. Interesting point. Look at you solving problems. Got you, it. Okay. You did mm-hmm. not mention that. So I went for two cars. I'm trying to, you know, maybe twenty-five, thirty, but I think that's still reasonable. Or just buy a ski boat with a V8. <laughs> the ski boat is quite a twist here. And, I, and I'm going to start there, Don. And that is, if you really are buying a boat, then I do think the answer is used Cayenne. They're it's got great. a 7,000 pound plus towing capacity. It has dynamics that, you, that are not going to bore you. You've already talked about it as something that interests you. You want the Cayenne over the Macan if you're going to be towing. 
uh, that that checks every box of your needs and gets you into something decent. And for your budget, I mean, as I've proven and we'll continue to sh- show you lots of stuff about our collection of Cayennes, it's ridiculous. We're talking about safariing one of them. I think you should. We'll see. We'll see. It, it came up this week. Light bars, lift kit, It, it came up knobbies. because we realized, sorry, I'm off on a tangent, but we realized, my wife and I, she said the only thing she would trade the current old Cayenne for, because it's only worth like eight or nine grand, is if we could get a Jeep for the same money. Well, you can. Now, you're talking an older Jeep, but you get a Jeep for the same money. But obviously, the Cayenne is much nicer than the Jeep. But the Jeep is now being used as the beat-around car, which is, I mean, pardon me, the Cayenne is now being used as the beat-around car. And so we're having a discussion about, and I said, said to her, kind of in passing, kind of half laughing, I was like, you know, we could just make this more off-road friendly. She was like, can you? I was like, well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so who knows? Best we'll part about see. Them. We'll see. But the point being made Let's here throw is- throw all the parts at that thing. <laughs> the Cayenne could, if you have Cayenne parts, let's have a conversation. Yes. Anyway. Lift the, kit. The, uh, yeah, be careful. Monster Cayenne. Frightening. Uh, maybe my son would drive that one. He was all offended at the prospect I of an know. old Cayenne being his first car, offended. which is one of the most spoiled sentences Here's ever come out of his mouth. But anyway, <laughs> so the Cayenne does everything you're looking for it to do, plus it would tow your boat. I think you would like that very much. Uh, if you're going to talk about that, you also have to look Look at the X5. I, I'd have to look up the X3's towing capacity. X3 could probably do it as well. I'm sure it could. I mean, I was looking at Nissan Rogues. Rogues' maximum towing capacity is over 5,100 pounds. Which is crazy. But here's the twist here, Don, and that is, unfortunately, look, if you go to Europe, people are towing all kinds of things with their car. Yeah. When we drive around Europe, I keep going, is the towing capacity different here? <laughs> Did they measure it differently? <laughs> the shocks are so Be- much better. Because here in the U.S., as a general rule, people are terrified to tow anything with a ca- a car. Yeah, why would you tow with a car? But then if you look it up, most of the time the stats are 2,000 pounds or less, which means you can't tow anything. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Europe and the same car that you can't tow with over over here, over there, they're like, yeah, I'm towing a camper with that. Maybe they have like special tow packages. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing ever. Anyway, so I'm, I'm going to leave the towing and the boat thing completely, and I'm just going to chase your four-door dad car. Because if you're going to do the boat, we've got a totally different conversation here. And that was your like like last minute over-your-shoulder grenade to the whole <laughs> totally. car. Totally. But anyway. That changed everything. Uh, ignoring the grenade for a minute, it, it's going to be fine. Uh, if you're going to look at, at sedans, you've already mentioned the G7 and the Alpha Julia. You have to drive both of those. You've said you've considered them. Have you driven them? Yeah. Because both of those would be, I, you would really enjoy the dynamics of both of those very much. You mentioned the BMW 3 Series. We actually did it, called it, we called it Blue Cars. A few years back, we did G70, Alpha Julia, and the 3 Series. We compared them back to back you might want to watch that piece i am of course a sucker for the julia so far as like looks and driving sucker for the julia love it and it's got so much power you will forget all about these v8s that you keep talking well about if he on. gets he's not gonna get a quadrifolio but he would he would still enjoy the the turbo alpha base would still be really sure so, well, yeah. well the g70 the, Genesis the g70's g70 got a lot of power a lot of power it's, the turbo of that has got a lot of power that what is it three and a half liter engine essentially that's yes. got a lot of power but then you mentioned it in passing, and I actually think it may be the solve, and then I'm going to go into like wildcard territory, but you mentioned it in passing, and that is the Dodge Charger in <laughs> V8 form is more space than you'll ever need. Tons of space. Oh, like how, much how, how many grandkids are you going to have, Don? I looked it up. Unfortunately, it only tows like 2,000 pounds. Really? How many grandkids are you gonna, is your life going to have? So that, I mean, you're going to have four grandkids because you could just put them across the back of the Charger. I suppose you could. You so, totally could. So the Charger V8 is a great solve of all this. Big space, big engine. It's a rare beast as far as anybody making something like that anymore. 
But then I went kind of wild card. And I went wild card because I'm starting to step out of budget options. You said 25 grand, and that becomes harder the farther down my Mm -hmm. following list. And that is Chevy SS. You want a V8, you want a performance car, you want a dad car, Chevy SS. That is the four-door Corvette. And when when I saw that in the marketing materials, I've said this before, I thought, no, it's not. And then I drove it and went, you know what? Kind of. It, it kind of is the four-door Corvette. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're the person that can't buy a Corvette, you may as well walk over here to the Chevy SS. It's the Panamera to the 911. So there is that. Now, the thing is, you <laughs> is don't... It, <laughs> is it Kind now? of. Kind of. The, uh, the We're thing, really gracing it with that... Uh, as far as the model lineup is concerned, I if guess. you're shopping at Porsche and you can't get a 911, you need four doors, you buy a no, Panamera. No, I know that. If you're shopping at a Corvette and you need four doors, I think the it's SS not is not a your, lateral move. That's like a notch. That's a notch. Okay, whatever. But the point is, the Chevy SS, you're not going to be able to get it in stick shift for your budget. But for the actual auto, the six-speed auto with MagnaRide, those are hovering right around 29.30. So a little above your budget, but that gets it done. The M3, E90 M3 V8. Ooh. Manual, four-door, fantastic, high-revving V8. It's a very different V8 feel than the Chevy would be. But those cars are out there. That is a pinnacle four-door V8, the E90 four-door M3. He'd have to get the DCT on that because uh, manual transmission drivers in his family. True. Unfortunately, you would. But but the DCT is actually really good. Yeah, it's good. And and that V8 is really very interesting. So that one is is like hovering just above your budget, too. And then if we're going to blow the budget, Blackwing. Grandpa drives a Blackwing. It it triples the budget. But Grandpa drives a Blackwing. Yes, I like that. It perfectly threads the needle between looks like a grandpa car. It's got a Cadillac badge on the hood, and they it's know a, it's not. As long as you agree to do burnouts when you're driving said grandkids. Absolutely. Your mm. daughter's going to pick up the, her child and be like, why does he smell like burnt rubber? Well, there's a story there. Well, the, he, he was buckled in great to the seat. We yeah. tried drifting today. Don, the M3 engine, uh, that V8 is thirsty. Mm-hmm. Please know that. All the V8s are, yeah. But I, you were talking about that charger. How about go to a police auction? Pick yourself up a cheapo beat down <laughs> yeah. V8 automatic. Big old charger leaves your m- money left over for a I see it. Boat. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to be a boat show. Anyway. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hunter D in Salt Lake City is up against his dad car needs versus dad car wants. Mm. He's been listening a long time. Hunter, really appreciate it. That's Thank you so cool. much. Thank you, man. He is 27, and as of this email, he is now a dad. He wrote to us just before uh, his uh, his kid was born, but, you know. it's it, he's, You're a dad now. It's serious it, now. It, it's on yeah. now, isn't it? For the last three years, Hunter has daily driven a five-speed manual 97 BMW M3 sedan. It's been a revelation to own and drive. He upgraded the brakes, throw on Continental Extreme's contact sport tires after about a year of ownership. And he says he's getting to know the dynamics of the car. He hates to think of parting ways with it every time he drives it, but he says it might be time to let it go and seek a newer experience, mm-hmm. like newer than 97. There's a, there's a lot of cars in there to yes. choose from. Not too long after he found out his MOF was pregnant, yes. 
he decided he needed a new car with more space for a car seat and occasionally a 50-pound dog. What I like here is the 97 BMW has not gone away in this scenario. It's just she announces she's pregnant and he goes, I should get something more legit. And what he winds up in, you bought a 2006 BMW M5 with the V10. M5. Mm. And it's not clear that he sold the M3. I think he still has the M3. I agree. I I definitely get the impression, yes, that he has both still. So now you have two BMWs. Technically, technically because of the size, the M5 is the better dad choice. But you you, you you had a car guy moment. You bought it, you got a decent deal on it, you're super excited about it, you like driving it, and then you kind of went, was this the right move? V10. Yeah. Oh, I love the car. It's very cool, yeah. And I love that you got one well-maintained and for a deal. Mm-hmm. However. <laughs> There's a reason the prior owner got out of it, though, right? I like that you're rocking two M sedans. Agreed, yes. But I'm wondering... If you sell both cars, and mm-hmm. that's my thought, yep. if you sell both the M3 and the M5, your budget comes up to $30,000, but he could push to 35000 for something that really gives him the fizz. I'm amazed the M5's not worth thirty. I think, but everybody's well, scared of those cars. Scary, that's, that's, crazy That's why F1, we don't want to jump in Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he is looking on Auto Tempest. He's looking on KSL as well. He says he's finding he's somewhat jaded to the things that he sees available. Mm. He also loves Alpha Julia's, but he says there's not many out there in the spec that he really wants. What is he missing? Mm. Now, his ownership list here, he's included that. Uh, his minister of finance loves her 2015 Audi SQ5. Oh, she had a fully built FJ Cruiser. She preferred that, but that was her. She she now has her what I would describe as her mom car that she likes a lot, the Audi SQ5. But that's no built FJ Cruiser. They are those are not the same thing. No, he yeah. had a 1998 S70 Volvo. He said it was so slow, and he leased a 2017 Veloster Turbo to commute to school. He said great car, great dynamics, but then he dreamed of rear wheel drive dynamics and a manual. So he quickly felt out of love. That's when he purchased the E36 M3, and he ask, asks why it's impossible to say the BMW model name without the generation number code. I don't know. Early on in the in the the life of this podcast, we would mention M3s, and we would mention the, would not mention the model code. And people would be like, which one? I suppose for specifics. The, 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 the reason yeah. that it happens is because, and this happens with 911s as well. The other option is you list the year span. Oh, the 03 to 08, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the people that are embedded and they exist for all car makers, they, you know, you speak the chassis code. So we know we're, we're buying used, but I can mm-hmm. tell you exactly which used one. Yeah. Hunter writes that due to his job, he has the opportunity almost daily to drive something very hot. Hmm. Ferrari SF90s to 488s. Any 911 variant you can think of. McLarens, Lamborghinis, he says, you name it. So he works with high-end cars. Very nice, man. He says he's extremely lucky, happy to do what he does for work, but he finds a lot of these cars lack character and mm. feeling other than sheer terrifying speed. <laughs> that and the You're cost of wrong. ownership and maintenance. That's sheer terrifying as well, yes. Uh-huh. He says he loves power, but great handling dynamics are more usable to him in daily yeah. commuting, and there's serious joy that comes from getting a corner just right. Mm. So four doors or a usable back seat space are a must. He would love a manual, but after daily driving one for three years, he says he needs an automatic like a Julia. Mm. Gas mileage isn't a huge concern because he currently gets 13 miles to the gallon in the M5. So whatever we pick... Hunter's now being more efficient. Will be better. That's pretty much how that's going, yeah. He says it's got to be something that looks great in a color. Reliability is a bonus, but he does a lot of maintenance himself. Mm -hmm. I'm mulling this car for you, Hunter. And it's a different direction. Okay. 
when you drive a rear wheel drive front engine sedan, mm -hmm. that's awesome. And I do like the Julia. Yeah, We've yeah. talked about the Genesis G7, all the usual suspects. But the reason I'm going to suggest this Hyundai Elantra N to you is mm. because of your job. Mm. You said you have access mm. to these other cars to get your fix. Sure, fair point. All right, Even yeah, if you're yeah. not driving them fast and hard, you're still getting access to cars that most people may not ever see. True. You may see it point. at Cars and Coffee, yeah, let yeah, alone yeah. have yeah, the access point. that you do, Hunter, and be able to drive them, mm -hmm. which is huge. Yeah. So would you accept a front-wheel drive car, mm. but the reason it's that one is because of the thing I identified when driving it, and that was it feels like BMW Precision mm -hmm. when driving because of all the BMW engineers that Hyundai hired <laughs> for their end division. Didn't happen by accident. Namely, Albert Bierman, who yep. came over, and I thought, why does this feel familiar? But mm -hmm. it's got a Hyundai badge, and I thought, okay, the steering feel is not the highest. Also, it's a front-wheel drive car. Yeah, yeah. But it has the economical price that you're looking for, $35,000. Sure, sure. It's got good gas mileage. I mean, anything's better. Yes, <laughs> we're only going up there. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, my expedition, I think, is better. <laughs> <laughs> that's like 14, 15. Yeah, woo! 12-year-old V8. I like this car so much, and it mm, comes with mm. a DCT, so it's yeah. got great shifting. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun, and there is no shame and no embarrassment in you being a car enthusiast and owning a Hyundai Elantra N. True. That Agreed. is what Agreed. enthusiasts drive. Mm -hmm. Elantra, I mean, the N badge is now yeah. very much associated with high-performance driving. Mm. So the fact that it's front-wheel drive, I would challenge anybody that hasn't driven one to have some seat time. They're great. They're so excellent. much fun. And again, I'm leaning on this because of the space. It's an Elantra. Yeah. But yeah. I don't just want you to have an Elantra. I want you to have the N version mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. It's got backseat space. The seats are really good. Got a warranty. It's right in your price range. Good gas mileage, commuter, still lots of fun. You want to thrash that thing. You can track it. They're designed to track. Yeah, true. The You're N right. badge right. says, it's it's a <laughs> single letter that says, please take this to the track. If you don't take it to the track, you are done it wrong. <laughs> That's what N means. You're right. It, it, it's hidden in there. If you look real close, it's like written sideways. Yeah. <laughs> Scribbled in there. Real small. Really little print. Yeah. I just, I feel like BMW in this very roundabout, strange way had direct influence on that car. Mm -hmm. That's good. And I think it would really speak to you, but it would give you all of that joy of driving without the BMW V10 worries and scary. That's a terrifying prospect. Ah, it really what's is. What's going to yeah. happen? This car is awesome. Yikes. <laughs> and again, the only reason I suggest this to you and not another rear wheel drive, mm -hmm. four door BMW product or sedan yeah, yeah. is because you have access to these other hot cars. That's very good. You and I went a similar place. We didn't pick the same cars. We went a very similar place though, because I think Hunter, what you're wanting is I think you are wanting kind of the hot hatch feel. I think that mm. is kind of where you're going. Mm. And, and the Elantra in, while not a, not, not a traditional hot hatch, they should bring the i30 in here. I'm just going to say it. They it's should. Very, very good, though. They should. But anyway, uh, but, I, but look, you, you're curious about the Julia. Please drive a Julia. I, I think, actually, you know what? You're in our Salt Lake area. I'm pretty sure, because we've looked for another reason, I'm pretty sure there's a Julia on Turo. So go rent one and drive it around and see what you think if you haven't driven one already. I, I, they are worth it. You may have to look nationwide because there's not a lot of them here in our area, but there's a lot of them west of us. Vegas has got a lot. LA's got a lot. Mm -hmm. Look five to 700 miles out from Salt Lake area. That's you good. can find a Julia. So if you're worried about finding one, I, I know you can. You're just not going to find one on a local market, but definitely drive that. But that also brings me right back here to the Chevy SS again. You've got money for a Chevy SS. 
That'd be very fun dad car. I just mentioned yeah, it prior it because it it's a great dad car. So <laughs> gets better gas mileage than a V10 BMW. It, it definitely <laughs> does, and it's less scary to own. Mm-hmm. It's much less scary to own. I mean, body par- body panels are the scariest thing about that because obviously that was all made in Australia and they don't make it anymore. But the engine and running gear, it's all just Chevy stuff. I was thinking like so, Pontiac G8 for Don, our last debate, maybe a G8. Because that's the cheaper one, yeah. Because it's cheaper it. for yeah. Don, and yeah, then yeah. maybe Hunter maybe the Chevy SS here. SS. That, that, that's an option. I have two other thoughts, though, and that is wagon thoughts. One is, what if you got an updated Volvo wagon? You said you had a Volvo wagon, and it was a great car, but it was like dangerously slow. What about a turbo wagon? What about a Polestar wagon? Oh. Our friend Matt... Had the blue Polestar wagon uh-huh. on our Utah meetup, and to a person, everyone that drove it was like, "That's really cool." And this is with a high mileage car. It's got one hundred and fifty thousand yes. or so. Yes, so, and, that's, there, and it's been least, driven very, very hard, and yeah. it, it's a great car. So look at that! Like, go. It's a generation back now. You're looking at the mm. the, the blue crazy Polestar wagons with that V six in them, or is it a straight six? Anyway, sorry, I'm getting it wrong. Matt's going to be writing me an angry email. But but it's that really cool blue Polestar wagon that has a lot of power and surprising dynamics. Those are out there for your budget. So there's a dad wagon, and then I have to go here, similar to where Paul was. Golf R. You think? Yeah, why not? Get yourself a Golf R. We've got that that great local tuner, integrated engineering, that does yeah. all kinds of crazy things to Volkswagens. Those guys are local. They Pete can and make Dave that know car how to tune those things. An absolute rocket ship. But here's the thing I'm thinking. You, you said that you're not a very tall guy, so you're not worried about space. So the Golf R already has plenty of space, a surprising backseat space, mm-hmm. great kid space, good hatch. The Golf R makes it all-wheel drive if you want to deal with Salt Lake weather. And you can get it in a DSG. The DSG is excellent. I mean, I like the manual. I'm a manual guy. But the DSG there is really, really good. Now you've got an all-wheel drive, genuinely fun little hatch with good dad space in a small package. Golf R. That will pair well next to your wife's 2015 Audi SQ5. True. Yeah. You know, got the Volkswagen right. hotness, the Audi hotness. The <laughs> SQ5 is just kind of like a bigger Golf R, really. <laughs> is it not? MQB chassis. I take your point. <laughs> Very good. Thanks for your social media questions. We really appreciate it. There's many today, so we are jumping right in with Remington G22 asking, what new currently on sale car has the best steering feel? How Mm. does it stack up to the best of yesterday? Interesting. All right. Got it. It's got to be for me, the, the new Lotus Amira. Yeah. Steering feel. Yeah. Steering feel because it's hydraulic. But, but here, and here's the other thing. All hydraulic steering racks were not good. We have we have we have True. lionized them like oh if it had a hydraulic True. steering rack it's it was not all an equal sign they're not yeah. all great yeah that one is really good it's really good and and your limitation here is currently on sale mm-hmm. stacking up to the best of yesterday would be stacking up to Todd's lease your yeah. lease uh, it's not as good because that's obviously no assist but it's, yeah but it is surprisingly good I, I take that the, point. the Amira is way up there because we really parse those steering feel steering handling those those words in terms of what the car does as far as precision but it could be just a dead mm-hmm. i don't feel anything i don't even know what the tires are doing am i pointed oh i guess that's the way that i'm pointed because that's the direction the car is going yeah i didn't feel that yeah but ooh, there's there's precision i can dice it up pretty quickly and that's the new say m2 there's a lot of electric power steering. I mean, everybody's got it pretty much, but a lot of electric power steering where Paul will describe it as precise, and he's absolutely right, and that is you can't believe the the millimeter precision with which you can place the car. But you don't feel like there's a linkage between the mm-hmm. actual wheel and the and the, and the, the tires. There's no, you don't feel like they're linked. Mm-hmm. 
they're talking, but they're not linked. But my gosh, this is precise. That's happening a lot. A lot of the fine problem tuning. is, can you feel anything? Is can you feel this? This is the way I describe it. Can you feel a linkage? If I turn the wheel, do I feel like there is something actually connecting me to tire rubber? Right. And generally, right. that's gone. But the as many racks as you've described that aren't good. Yeah, you feel the steering feel, but the precision is nowhere to be found. Sometimes the, I'm feeling everything yeah. on the road, but holy moly. <laughs> Why won't it's this like a go quarter turn to the steering wheel before it changes direction. <laughs> that but happens I feel too. a lot. I actually think that the, uh, the Toyota GR86 is surprisingly good for an electric steering rack. That's way up there too. Yeah. Uh, again, Agreed. look, I'm saying in relation to others being sold now, in relation to yesteryear, not good enough. And Porsche has come a long way with their electric steering racks. Mm-hmm. Their hydraulic mm-hmm. racks were still better, full stop, full stop. Yeah. However, yeah. The, the Cayman and the 911 both offer more information than they did 10 years ago when they first went to electric racks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Ted Adam Green is asking a question that, you know, it was one of those questions that I read it and I just went, why haven't I looked into this? Why don't I personally know more about this question? I mean, I, I knew about it tangentially, but now I'm thinking I need to actually pursue it. He said, with all the extra cross cost of windshield replacements due to camera sensors and all the rearview mirror stuff underneath <laughs> all that stuff, have you replaced, but just I'm asking all of you, have you replaced a recent windshield with the sensors and mm. the temperature stuff and Yikes. the forward-looking whatever? That has a comma in it most of the time. It's yeah. certainly like 800 bucks and up. It's terrifying. Miata RF windshields are eight hundred bucks. Yes, because of all we ha- we know and that we replaced one tiny yeah. little windshield. Totally. If you get an old school car, that's what we expect a windshield to cost. A couple yeah. hundred dollars. That car has no sensing of anything. Yeah. But all of them have got so much stuff now that it is a wildly expensive thing to replace. So he said, "Hang on, with all of this going on, isn't there such a thing as paint protection film for windshields?" And the thing, Ted, is it slapped me right in the middle of the face because yeah, there is. There and is. I've never once pursued it. The and, only and this area where we are is like windshield death once a year. Yeah. Colorado's now, pretty bad too. Totally. Arizona is known to be very bad. Yeah. Ted, there are companies, you could look it up, you could literally Google it. There are companies that sell film like this. And I forget what it was. We had something that we drove in the last year that had it. And the reality is sometimes in some conditions, you can tell it's there. Mm-hmm. But generally you can't. Best to get it installed when the windshield is brand new, when the glass is brand oh, yeah, new yeah. and smooth yeah, yeah. and clean, because there's no point in putting it on something nope. where you've already got pock marks. It's not going to sit well. But we've heard them primarily being used on personnel vans uh, out here at the mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Outside of Salt Lake City here. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes all kinds of sense to mm-hmm. protect the investment for you know, the various uh, people transporters, vans and mm-hmm. trucks and that kind of thing, you know, you're down low and, and yeah, I can see it in a, in a crazy environment like a, a mine, you know, <laughs> yes, like that. But otherwise, I don't know there's too many people that actually pursue it because the clarity is still so much better to not have it. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to just decide and then maybe you get a fresh windshield when you replace your windshield and then you do the pr- protection over that. That kind of makes some sense. I mean, visually, it actually looks like, do you do you have, I don't anymore, I used to, do you have one of those protective clear films on your smartphone? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the same kind of thing. And I had one on my phone forever. And what I was always shocked by is when I took it, took it off, I was like, oh my gosh, that screen is so bright and clear. It's the same kind of thing. You yeah. didn't have any problems with it with the clear stuff on your yeah. phone, but it is better with it off as far as visibility. You got a trade off. On Instagram, Jorge P says, can we discuss car design and engineering with respect to harmony versus brashness? 
<laughs> Brashest BMW. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah. I got ahead of the class. I'm sorry. Well, it really comes down to the design brief. Mm. And the direction a car takes is all about the mood board. Mm. And this is why mm. you pursue your customer and you define your customer first. There's all kinds of people that will buy that product that aren't within those specs, that category of here's who I think the buyer is. And the Lexus LC500 is a good example of mm. that. Mm. Here's who we think the buyer is. Mm. And then when you see the person driving the vehicle, <laughs> the, exactly, <laughs> you just know they match the spec. You're like, mm. oh, they got it right. <laughs> but then when you don't, like... Older people driving Fiesta STs. Sure. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. How can you? Oh, you're cool. Good for you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, just throw out the, yeah. the style guide. Totally. So that will really dictate, and of course cost, how much money is put into the design program that will... You know, how much yeah. time of, of the people, the design studio, you know, were commandeering their time. Is that three to four months to, to land on something, mm. to get somewhere where we've got good surfaces and we're, we're getting towards a design freeze and then engineering is starting concurrently because usually it's on an existing platform. So you kind of know it's there, there's never a, a time where you just get a fresh new platform. The C8 Corvette is a great example of that. Mm -hmm. That had to be a lot of money and time spent mm -hmm. because of the far subsequent models that will appear. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. have to engineer that into the car first, which may not be visible or apparent on the first models. Yeah, good point. But later on, yeah. when that Zora comes out... Or the E-Ray, yeah. Or the e Well, yeah, it's going to be crazy power, mm -hmm. but that chassis has to be engineered to handle those future models that mm -hmm. we're planning mm -hmm. for. It has to be designed and yep. tested for that first. Okay, that means you're getting a, a great car to begin yep. with in, yep. in any of those models. So it, it just really depends on the, the model, you know, for trucks, that kind of thing. There's a lot more towards the brashness and mm -hmm. is this really truly going to be off-roaded and what's our mm -hmm. market and for the SUVs that we're seeing more and more of that are kind of off-road focused like the brand new Honda Pilot. There's some genuine yeah. off-road capability. But they made trail sport an actual, like, maybe you off-road this versus just a trail right. on the seats. <laughs> or rather than, yeah. here's the, the chassis and here's the structure, and we added parts to it. Mm -hmm. They're actually engineering it first, mm -hmm. a brand right. new chassis, with the thought in mind, this will be off-roaded, so the rigidity is very much a, a mm -hmm. focus mm -hmm. here. And then all the other trim levels, well, that's just going to be on-road only, so they just get those benefits. But it's yeah. really yeah. where you start with that chassis that... The, the long uh, tail, I guess, of uh, the benefits of design and engineering for, for the different models that you're going to come out with in the future. That's really where the, uh, the harmony comes in, the harmony part. But brashness is... <laughs> BMW is a great example there too now. <laughs> the design, we, we want different customers. We're trying to keep the same nameplate and we want a whole new set of customers that yeah. haven't ever yeah, yeah. considered us before. Yeah. Ooh, design department, you got to do something totally different. And they did. <laughs> We're still reeling. Matt D on Twitter asks one of those, those car guy conundrums that is a mystery of the universe, but I'm going to try to answer it anyway. He said, what are our thoughts on families or households who have multiple of the exact same car in a segment when there's plenty of other competitive options to pick from? He said in his neighborhood, he feels like he's got at least a half a dozen houses in his neighborhood where the family owns multiple of the exact same car. Mm. Matt, two things are going on here. I bet you 
in every one of these households, there's two things going on. The people that are that own these multiple cars. We, you had a neighbor for a while that had two white Subaru Outbacks. Well, before that, the husband drove a Ram. Mm-hmm. He had a Ram 1500. Yep. And he traded it in for a white Outback. <laughs> Just like his wife. Like his wife's. <laughs> this is the thing we're talking about. But here, here's what's going on. Two things happen. I think you have people that they have a car that they need to be an appliance that does things for them. Full stop. That, there's nothing else they need it to do. They're not driving for fun. They're not driving for impression. They just they need it to do things. And they find a model that does that very well. And I think in every one of these cases, also, if you talk to the family, you would find that prior to owning, let's just say, a Camry, because those are known to run, they had had a litany of things, none of which ran. And then they, whoever it is, it's, it could be a Camry, it could be a Honda Accord, it could be a, a Subaru Outback. They stumbled upon buying one of these and they were so great. My dad did it with Caprice Classics. It was so great. We're never buying anything else. My dad owned four Caprice Classics. I thought it was two. It was four. What? It was four. I didn't know this. Two of them were after I left home. I was There were not two aware. while I was at home and then there were two more after I left See, home. See, I thought it was just two. No, no, no. But that was exactly oh. what happened to him because he'd owned a litany of cars and they were unreliable for this reason or that reason. He didn't like him or they didn't seem worth it. And then he found a Caprice Classic and it was all he wanted to buy. Mm. So this is what happens is you've, is you've got a bad experience with reliability and then the savior car comes along that for whatever reason is just awesome and you conclude, well, we're never buying anything but this. And your kids are fr- frustrated, but <laughs> this is how it happens. Noah B. on Facebook says he knows this will probably never happen. But what car company do we think could buy Tesla and still pursue some of the ridiculous things they do, like the plaid models and the crazy horsepower, but actually turn out a more quality product that has consistent panel gaps and they could actually put out the models on time? I'm trying to get Volkswagen out of my head, but I can't, Noah. Interesting. Okay. I think Volkswagen would love nothing more. They are a brand with what, 10 or 11 other brands under the Volkswagen name? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bentleys and Porsche and Audi Mm, and mm. all those brands, right? So what if... Couldn't afford it, but it'd be interesting. (laughs) Well, they are trying to do their own thing. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to... They're still trying to shift dramatically. And I read a lot about Volkswagen in financial news, Mm -hmm. more about the business itself and what they're trying to do. And it's my understanding they're trying to save 11 billion currently. They're on a cost cutting measure to save 11 billion. And I believe this article was on Financial Times. I think that's where I found it. And it was just today. And I'm thinking after driving vehicles like the Taos and like Mm -hmm. the Atlas, I'm thinking, where are you going to cut more money out of this horribly cheap interior? (laughs) How will that be possible? Paul was a fan. He was a big fan. Yeah. What what on earth are you going to do? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, the people in the comments were reminding everybody, yes, this includes a lot of other brands and and it's over time and it's over Mm -hmm. a lot of different markets. So, Mm -hmm. okay, I get that. But I think Volkswagen would love nothing better than to consume Tesla and bring a lot of car Mm. building expertise on the things like you're talking about, panel gaps. But Tesla would give them a lot of things Volkswagen doesn't have anything close to, like software and making software really good. Oh, and that other little... uh, that thing that is pretty much the Achilles heel of the EV market in the US, the charging network. Yeah, you're right. They would love nothing better than to consume Tesla for all of those reasons. Mm-hmm. That would give them a huge leg up. But 
do you really think that would happen? Well, yeah, I mean, the, no. the, as, as much as it makes no logical sense whatsoever because of investor madness, also Volkswagen isn't able to consume Tesla. <laughs> it just simply no. aren't worth enough, which is staggering to talk about. But anyway. Revs Up is asking on Instagram, he said he read or saw a video somewhere where they referenced America's crumbling infrastructure as the source of the popularity of CUVs and SUVs. He's asking if that is if we think that's the case. He said he recently went through a construction zone and he thought he tore out his oil pan. So you must not be in an SUV, <laughs> but you must have hit something. We did that on our north trip without intending to. We, uh-huh. You were in your 928 uh-huh. dragging the base of that car. Oh, I, I dragged the oil fun. pan. Uh, so a couple of things going on here, Revs Up. This is one of those things, as purchasing patterns, changed it made one th- it made two things true at once okay the CUV SUV popularity really came from I want to see around the big trucks in front of me I want to sit higher but in sitting higher and in buying more things that we sit higher and now we need to buy another one because the guy in front of me now is, is now sitting higher things got bigger and heavier also we want more airbags and more everything so everything's getting heavier I think the market shifted before and electrics proved this too before everybody realized oh Oh, yeah, lots more heavy vehicles are a lot harder on the infrastructure. Mm. But now the infrastructure is getting torn up more. I-80 here was (laughs) pothole death, still kind of is all winter. Mm -hmm. So now that the infrastructure is getting worse and the roads are worse, then people feel like they have even more reason to buy SUVs. And you end up with things like the Cayenne Coupe or the BMW X4, (laughs) things that are a coupe shape with with big SUV running gear because, well, I got to get over potholes. So it's self-perpetuating, unfortunately. Volkswagen, I think I found your answer on how to slash oh. 11 billion, and okay. it's all those proliferation of models that all start with the letter T. Yes, we've driven two when we've been in Europe that we didn't even know existed until we were like, oh, it's one, oh, it's that. Why? Yeah. Why wouldn't you make the world model? Like, I mean, Toyota seems to have figured this out. Okay, <laughs> just a suggestion. We'll just leave it there for now. Nathan Goals has almost a topic Tuesday, but we've ranted about it before, so I'm going to make it short. He says, hang on. What's going to happen with all these fancy pop-out touch-sensitive door handles when things like (laughs) malfunctions, blown fuses, or even, you know what, ice happens? Or what happens when you get T-boned in an accident? Do they pop out? What was wrong with the normal door handle? I have ranted about this multiple (laughs) times, Nathaniel. here's, Here's the thing about it. I think, this is my total side rant, and I'm half kidding, but follow me. I think poor Elon Musk was injured by a door early in life because he doesn't want to touch a door for any reason. Huh. We got falcon doors, we got pop-out doors, we got doors that close themselves. He doesn't want to be bothered to ever be touched or or pinched by a door. I wonder if as a child he was actually like, ow, in a door. Childhood trauma? I think so. Dictating the design? He has a reason to dislike doors. There is nothing, to your point, Nathaniel, there is nothing wrong with a door handle. You know what's great about a door handle? Works. Yeah. There's a, it, it, we're, we're back to mechanical things that you pull on and stuff changes. The reality is most of the time, these fancy door handles have not been tested enough in adverse conditions, and there are always issues. And as a result, they all have some sort of electrical, I mean, not electrical, mechanical fail-safe for a way for you to get a door open should the car have a problem, get in an accident, be frozen, whatever. But there are tons of videos online with people with Teslas and other cars with pop-out door handles with the... This is not the best idea, but it's how they solve it. I have my pot of hot water I'm pouring down the car so I can get my door handle to open. Those videos exist. All right, a couple of Miata questions here. First from H2OST44 asking, what company is in the best position right now to produce a Miata competitor? Hmm. I think Kia. 
Probably. That's Wouldn't good. Wouldn't you buy a yeah, Kia fun, yeah, yeah, cool yeah. little mm-hmm. sports car mm-hmm. after they've come out with all their yeah. cool cars? Yeah. Okay, maybe Hyundai. But Hyundai might be just a little bit too much unless it were an N version mm-hmm. and it kind of made Mazda bring back Mazda speed. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that. And That's then good. Uh, our friend Shane asks, have stock NA Miatas become an investment? Yeah. Shane has one. He doesn't get to drive it as much because he wants a three-seater. Needs a three-seater. But he's reluctant to part with it because it's not declining in value anymore. See, that's there's a difference. I think I don't think they're going up, but I think they've hit a floor. Because they made a ton of them, Shane. There's investment, that's a tough yeah, one. I, I, nah. I, th- I think I think they're gonna hang on because no more of them are being made. But the problem is so many of them have been used for all kinds of things. I think pristine ones, like the, your typical Barrett Jackson find will probably go up. A Barrett Jackson Miata. That's gonna. I guarantee it's gonna happen. Some early like eighty nine or ninety with no miles is probably gonna be worth money and keep going up. But short of that, they made a ton of these. Yeah. And most of them have got high mileage. Have been used for all kinds of things, and they're still running. I think they've hit a floor. I don't think they're gonna go up. I don't think they're going up anytime soon. So you, it's it's sentimentality. And you're not going to lose money. Not going to lose money, but, but yeah. yeah. They're fun, though, aren't they? Bruce B. is asking a question on Instagram. I'm going to step carefully here because I understand some of what's going on, but not all of it. He said he listens to our podcast on Spotify. He has a premium subscription, which is an ad-free subscription. He is hearing ads that are not our ads. I'm going to step through this, Bruce, because some of it I understand and some of it I don't. First off, for all of you listening, you may have noticed there are now ads being read on this show that are not read by Paul and I. We mentioned at the beginning of the year we're now doing dynamic ads. That is something that has started to happen here in the last month or six weeks. If you have a problem with the dynamic ads, we're happy to hear your problem. We may be able to solve it. We may not be able to, but there are dynamic ads. And I will say this because there was a question about this. If you hear an ad that's not read by us, nobody's hacked the podcast. Okay. It's (laughs) not like what on earth is happening. We're aware that this is happening. Now to Bruce's question, if you pay a premium subscription for Spotify, it's supposed to be ad free. But a lot of people online are complaining about the fact that they are still, still hearing ads embedded by podcast. That is a podcast issue through Spotify. That is not our issue. We create it for any person or, you know, non-premium or whatever that is supposed to embed an Mm -hmm. ad. We create the option. But if you have an ad-free subscription, you shouldn't be getting ads. But that is a problem apparently that Spotify is having with podcast on their premium subscription. You'll have to take that up with them. Guys, we sure appreciate all your questions. As we always say, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. Always looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>